Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm, I'm really excited about today's message. Uh, my name is JJ, by the way, for all of the new people. Can we give it up for all the new people? Thank you for coming to be with us today. I'm the pastor here at Journey Church. And, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. I don't remember me wrestling with a, with a, with, with a week as much as... I've wrestled with what, I, with what I wanted to share with you today, but I'm excited. I do believe I have a word from God, and so we're going to go ahead and read and, and get right into it. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Another translation is, she's bothering us now. You take care of this because she's bothering us. Verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs. Can I just, I'm not preaching about this today, but sometimes it's okay, just so you know, sometimes it's okay to argue with God. You know that? Jesus is like, I'm, I can't, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. And I don't know that it's that we force God. I think God just wants to see how hard we'll push sometimes, you know? And so, anyway, yes, it is, Lord. We got to be persistent like that with Jesus. For even the dogs eat at the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And at that very moment, her daughter was healed. Amen. I want to pray for you. I'll give you my sermon title in a little bit. I want to pray for you. Pray for this, uh, what we're about to hear. And uh, just ask God to touch our hearts, open our hearts. I think he wants to tell us something special today. Father, we love you and we thank you. So grateful for who you are and what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We ask that you continue to mold us, continue to change us, continue to break us. It's not a normal week this week, and we won't pretend like it is. There are a lot of hurting people in our country. But we do believe that you have a purpose and that nothing surprises you. We believe that you are in control and in charge, and that everything happens for your glory. For, and for our good. And so we hold on to those two truths. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts. Mold us, like I said, and just speak. We want to hear you like only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate you. Could you make some noise for the worship team? we got a great worship team. I'm so proud of them. Happy. Amen. Uh, today is a special day. Because today is Baptism Sunday. 
I'm super pumped. Six people who are coming back home to God, who are giving their life over to, to God. They want to start brand new, and, uh, and I can't wait to, to baptize them. It's going to be right out there in the courtyard, and so we invite you to come and share that moment. Have a bunch of cameras and GoPros all up in your nostrils. If you're getting baptized today, you have a GoPro right there. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be amazing. Today's also special because today is actually the first time that we ever uh, begin uh, what we'll call here at Journey Church a sermon series, which is pretty much a collection of talks. Sometimes a theme or a topic is too big to be isolated into just one message, and so uh, occasionally throughout the life of our church, what we'll do is we'll take four or five weeks to talk about one big idea. And last week, if you were here, how many people were here last Sunday? And we started dancing. We had some salsa music going on. We had some slow dancing. And I felt like I hit a nerve when I started to talk about exhaustion and when I started to talk about being overloaded. And so uh, I'm excited because we're going to start a sermon series today. Uh, and that sermon series is speaking to people who feel tired, who feel exhausted, who can't enjoy their today because they're so stressed out about tomorrow. We're going to begin that today, and that sermon series is titled Present Over Perfect. Present Over Perfect. And I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to this because as I'm writing it for you, I'm preaching to myself. Okay, I preach the best uh, when, I'm, when I'm just preaching to myself. I believe we, we go through certain of the similar struggles. And so, so for, for really for weeks, months, I had planned to talk about present over perfect. Um, and then Tuesday happened. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I I'd expected somebody to be surprised, you know. I expected somebody to not agree. Um, but Tuesday was a, a day where as a pastor, you feel like, well, I have a bigger responsibility. I feel almost, I, I want to help people. But sometimes... Uh, the best way to help you is to teach you how to, how to help others, you know? And so we got a lot of hurt in our nation. And so anyway, I was struggling back and forth whether or not to throw out the message and create something new or find something in the middle. So hey, I feel like God gave me something in the middle, something that is going to speak to your hurt and confusion if you are hurt and confused this week uh, because of an outcome of the election, but also not too reactionary because we're not about politics here at church. One of our core values is we keep the main thing the main thing. What that means is we will always and only be about Jesus. That's what we do at church. I'm not a politician. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I am a pastor. I believe Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. And so we'll always and only be um, about Jesus. Amen? Amen. You never have to worry about coming here and uh, hearing political statements. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's important that we talk about it. And, so, and so, so here's the title of today's sermon, and I hope you'll laugh. I didn't mean it to be funny, but after I looked at it, I said, well, yeah, that's kind of funny. If, you, if not, laugh, just laugh to make me feel good. That would be great. But this is the title of today's sermon because I, uh, I realized, you know, we got a lot of hurt going on. And there's a lot of, you know, but, but I didn't want to teach you something that was so just for this week. And so, uh, you know, either you're happy that he won or you're not happy that he won. Either you're celebrating with people who voted one way or you're angry at people who voted another way. And so here's the title of today's message. How to love people who bother you. Amen. Is that good or what? Yeah, you need this. Because you got people in your life who bother you. Yeah. Some of you guys aren't saying amen. You know why? Because you came to church today with the person who bothers you. And you don't want to give it up. You don't want to admit it. But we all got bosses and 
We all got coworkers, and we all got classmates, and we all got bullies in our lives, and we all got children, and we all got, yeah, I would say in-laws, but my in-laws are great, and they're also in the front row. I love my in-laws. They're the best in-laws ever. My in-laws don't bother me. I don't know about your in-laws. If your in-laws bother you, you, you uh, married the wrong person. Um, I don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't, don't do that. You, didn't, you marry the right person. You're good. Um, we all get bothered by people. And so today I'm going to help you. I want to give you four insights on how to deal with people who bother you. And I think a lot of it will apply to what's going on this week. But I'm really hoping that a lot of it will apply to your tomorrow, to your Monday, to when you get back to work. And like I said, maybe you're not the biggest fan um, of your boss. And I want to start off with a story to introduce my very first point. And it was something that happened to me this past Tuesday or Wednesday. So Tuesday, I was up late, you know, watching the election like everybody else, which, I mean, my goodness, uh, I thought it was going to, they were going to find out. I just went to bed, I'll be honest. Uh, my wife woke me up in the morning and told me who won. I just, there's a point where I just, I go unconscious and stuff. Fell asleep, woke up, and, uh, and I was super tired because I did stay up late, and so I had to start getting working on this message that I was going to preach today because I do that on Wednesdays. But because I overslept, you know, I, I was kind of working late into the night, which is not my hobby. You know, I don't do that. So while I'm working on the message in the living room, because um, I don't have an office, so I'm working in my living room. My son, Justice, um, out of nowhere, I got my book, I got my Bible, like, I got a cool little thing going on. I've got, I got the iPad, the book, the Bible, and I'm in it, and, I'm, and the points are coming to me, and I'm like, yeah, I got this, the Bible verse, I got my first joke, Sunday's going to be awesome, and I'm getting through it, and as I'm preparing for it, I'm in the zone, my son, Justice, I could hear the footsteps running fast in my direction. And it was like, you know how you can think like a million things in five seconds, you know? I'm like, he's running fast at me. And, uh, and long story short, he drop kicked me. Drop kicked me, going at full speed, little four-year-old, like a torpedo, just boom, not me. My books are on the floor. And, uh, and he begins to uh, fight me, you know? Just out of nowhere, I'm like, is he set? Did he vote Democrat? Like, I don't know what's going on right now. He's got me in a headlock. You know, scissor, kick, lock, and he's beating me up. And in that moment, I realized I have three responses. I can ignore him. I can attack him. Or I can pause. If I ignore him, he's just going to keep bothering me. If I attack him, he's going to get hurt. But if I pause... If I take a moment to reflect and assess the situation, to figure out where he's coming from, maybe I can find an alternative solution. I had the option to be present or be perfect. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to close my Bible. That is the only time, by the way, it is okay to close your Bible, okay? I had decided to close my Bible and looked at him, and he body slammed me one time, and then he stopped. He stopped, and he laid on me. And watch TV with me. I'm like, you don't want to fight? What happened? He goes, no. Just wanted to hang. And I'm like, okay. And that's when it hit me, right? It, it looked like he wanted to fight me, but he really didn't want to fight me. What he really wanted was my attention. And I felt like it would be helpful to tell some of you today, the person that you're fighting with really doesn't want to fight you. In fact, you're not the reason they're fighting at all. The reason they're fighting you is really because they want somebody to pay attention. And I think when you understand the fights from other people's perspective, you can also do one of the three responses, right? You can also ignore, you can also attack, 
or you can also pause. Because when somebody fights you, right, it's almost like your first reaction is to fight back. But you can't do that with people that bother you because you don't know what it is exactly they want. If you try to ignore them, they're going to keep coming. If you attack them, they're just going to attack back. It's going to get hurt. But if you take a second and pause and ask, what's going on in their life? What are they seeing? What are they going through? I think you can find a solution. And so here's my first point, and I try to word it in a way that would help you remember it. Before asking, do I hurt him, ask yourself, have I hurt him? Before asking yourself, do I hurt him? He just hit me. Do I hit him back? He just said that about me. Do I send this back? He just tweeted me that. Oh, no. Do I tweet back? I mean, what do I do? do have you hurt him? Because oftentimes the people you're fighting with are just trying to get your attention. How many husbands know uh, when your wife yells at you because you left your socks on the floor, it's not about the socks. It's not. It's about the fact that she wants to make sure that you respect who she is and the fact that she works hard in the house. She wants you to hear her. If you have a teenager at home who is fighting at you because you don't let him go hang out with his friends, kind of let you know the reason why he's fighting with you is not because he doesn't like you. He's fighting with you, honestly, because he wants to know if you care enough to know about who he is and where he's going and what he's going to do it with. Have you heard him? You got to be able to feel. You got to be able to listen. Don't attack. Now, listen, it's important. Sometimes it is the right time to ignore. Sometimes it is the right time to attack. How many people know sometimes you just got to ignore people who bother you? You just got to. Like 90% of the things that people post on Facebook, your best bet is to just ignore it. I never understand people who feel compelled to comment. It's like, what do you think is going to happen on that comment? Do you expect that person to read that comment and then be like, OMG, you're absolutely correct. You just changed my entire perspective in 45 characters. Like, thank you. Right? Why, do we, why don't we just ignore these people sometimes that bother us? We're not really, and because the reason is we're not commenting to help them, right? We're commenting just so we can feel better about ourselves. That's the truth. I just had to get it out. Sometimes the right thing to do is never to attack, but sometimes to defend. Like, I don't really get into things about religion and other weather people, but I do believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe in the message of the gospel. So sometimes I'll defend. Sometimes if somebody tells me something like, all Christians are blank, whatever the blank is, I always I have to defend. Because I feel like you maybe met one or two crazy Christians in your life, but I promise we're not all like that. I promise we don't all hate a certain type of person. I promise a lot of us are actually really nice people. And so sometimes the right thing to do is to attack. Sometimes the right thing to do is to defend. But the most important thing to do is always pause before you do that. Look to the person to your left and tell them, pause. Look at the person to your right and tell them, pause. Do you know how many fights in your marriage you can avoid if you just paused? If you just paused. Before you tell him that hurtful thing, pause. That thing that's running through your mind, you know, that real good one, that zinger, that like, it is there. You're just waiting for him to stop talking so you can just pause. Before you complain about her cooking, pause. Know that she is the reason why you eat every day, pause. If you just pause, you could avoid so much drama, so much pain in your life. And so when people come into your life and they bother you, sometimes you need to ignore, sometimes you need to defend. But most of the time, the very first thing you need to do is pause. Pause and assess and try and hear 
where they're coming from. And so a lot of times it'll actually make you better. Like, I'm glad my son dropkicked me. I am. Because it showed me that I needed to spend more time with my son. It showed me that I needed to give him my attention. So, you know, I'm grateful for, he, for, uh, for him, him doing that. Uh, the people who bother you in your life are there to pull good things out of you. I'm telling you. And you're probably saying, well, you only say that because you never met my cousin. Or you're only saying that because you never met my uncle. Or you're only saying that because you never met my father-in-law. Or you're only saying that, but we've never had a president like this. No, let me tell you, no matter who it is, when someone comes into your life and bothers you, it's an opportunity to learn patience. It's an opportunity to learn tolerance. It's an opportunity to learn forgiveness. It's an opportunity to be better. God wants you to be better, and sometimes he does that by bringing people who bother you in your life. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The more they bother you, the better you become. The more they bother you, the better you become. Listen, I get it. I hate interruptions. Interruptions are the thing I hate, like, second most in life. In case you're wondering, first is mustard, third is mosquitoes, but interruptions is right there in the middle. I cannot stand interruptions. I don't like it. I don't like it when I am talking. You interrupt me when I talk. I'm like, can I just finish? Can I just finish the sentence, I know you think you know where I'm going with this, but I'm not, all right? I can't stand interruptions uh, when I sleep, which is why I don't think I want to have kids ever again, because we should probably talk about that in private before I said that, but um, <laughs> I like sleep, and I don't like to get interrupted when I work, man, when I'm in the zone, because I'm a creative, I do creative things, and I found a whole, you know, uh, plan and strategy for staying focused. I found this button in my phone called Do Not Disturb. I wish life had a do not disturb, you know? Somebody tries to bother you, you're just like, boop. Silence. <laughs> Silent mode. Don't even vibrate. Can't even feel you. You're not even here right now. Right? I, I, we try so hard in our lives to keep the people who bother us at bay, yet when I look at Jesus' life, I find someone who made time to be bothered. It almost looks like he enjoyed being bothered. His very first miracle was the product of being bothered. He's at a wedding, chilling, eating Cake, doing the, you know, the chicken dance, if they still do that at weddings, I don't know, the electric slide, I don't know what they do at weddings anymore, I haven't been in one. What do they do at weddings? Cha-cha slide, yeah. He was chilling, and while he's sitting there, someone comes over to him, his mom, and says, hey, could you please uh, do something? They ran out of wine. And Jesus is like, woman, which that's how you know Mary wasn't Puerto Rican, by the way, okay? Because you tell my grandmother, woman, you're going to get slapped. And you have <laughs> woman, <laughs> uh, mom, uh, mother. Uh. And Jesus gets up, and he ends up blessing the people. There was one time where he was teaching, and he had a big crowd, and he was in the mode, and there was these little kids who were trying to fight through the crowd, biting ankles, scratching people, trying to get to Jesus, and the disciples tried to keep them away, and they said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. We'll finish the teaching later. Let the little kids come to me. He never minds being bothered. Another time, he was walking through a crowd, and there was this lady that grabbed him. She had an issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years. She could not find healing. There were no doctors. There were no medicine, and she grabs him by the hem, and he stops and literally says, I felt power come out of me. In other words, he said, hey, I feel you. I see you. There was another time when he was walking, and there was a blind man who started calling out. His name was Bartimaeus. He said, Messiah, Messiah, help me, help me, help me. Other people were telling him to be quiet. Jesus is teaching right now. He's focused. But Jesus said, no, no, I hear him. Tell him to come to me. Jesus never minds being bothered. He couldn't even die in peace. 
He's on the cross just trying to breathe, and there's somebody next to him talking about, hey, Jesus. I know you're dying and everything, but uh, I can show you some help, man. You think, uh, you think you could put in a good word for me when you, when you get there? Like, I'm sorry, bro. It wasn't my fault. Cousin, cousin Nene, they were her drugs. I'm sorry. I want to get to heaven. Help me out. He couldn't even die in peace. And on the cross, he doesn't look at him and say, will you leave me alone? Can't you see? I spent my whole life helping people. No. He says, I'll tell you the truth. On this day, you will be with me in paradise. The man's ministering, can't even die in peace. And then while they're nailing nails through his hands, he's looking at them, the ones that are killing them, and he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You're talking about somebody who lived his entire life being bothered and loved it because he knew that his life was about helping other people. And we need to be more like Jesus in that way. Can I tell you, sometimes Jesus allows people to come into your life and bother you so that you can understand that you're not the only person in this life. Because that's our problem, you know. We think that we're the only ones here and that the world revolves around us. And God's like, oh, yeah, meet this person. And then you're like, dang, no, what? You mean not everybody thinks like me? You mean not everybody looks like me? You mean not everybody likes my food or likes my music or likes my candidate? You mean this and that? Yeah. And that's on purpose, so that you can know that you're not alone, so that you can be sympathetic and empathetic. When people bother you, it brings the best out of you. That's what it does. It helps you. You need it. First thing it does is it exposes your selfishness. It exposes just how much of an issue you got with yourself. When I was a, a, a teenager, I used to watch football on Saturdays and Sundays. I loved it. And for some reason, I just felt like it was bad timing. But maybe they wanted to get you. Like there would be a commercial that would come on. And it would be this blonde lady somewhere in Africa. And she would be like, now this is just me just confessing. Don't do this. I was bad. This is one of those things like bad pastor. But I was 14. You know, something matter. Uh, I, I'm, I'm watching the football game. And this blonde lady comes up. And she's like, for a dime a day. He's like, meet Richard. Isn't he cute? For a dime a day. Can I be honest? Every time that commercial went on. I don't even know what to say without making you lose all respect in me. Every time a commercial went on, I'm like, I either change the channel or I get mad. I blame football. The game is going, yeah, yeah, oh, touchdown, touchdown, for a dollar a day. And I'm like, what? Why are we even watching this right now? Okay, back to the football game. Change the channel. And then in the middle of my crying and complaining, I'm like, you know, like, you know, there's a part of you that's good and there's a part of you that's bad, you know? And then, like, the good part looks at me and they're like, dude, are you for real? You care more about the touchdown than Richard? Come on, get better. Get better. And I'm like, dang, you're right, me. I have problems. I sure am selfish, right? It's like when you're what? Married people. Raise your hand. Married people. It's like when your wife wakes you up at 11 o'clock to get her a drink of water. Just me? Or like, or like the moment you sit down on the couch, you're just, you're just right there in there, and then you hear a voice on the other side of the living room, could you get me something to drink? But you're like, you just fell into the spot, you know? Like, you're right there. And then in your mind, horrible things begin to... Like, oh my God, like I remember 
The other night, I got in bed, just laid down, and it's like, I'm thirsty. I'm like, so am I. In my mind, in my mind, you know, I know where she's going. But she said, she said, can you give me a drink of water? You know what we do, husbands. We're so, I don't know if you did this, but I do this. I have this three phases of, of, of me getting the water. Phase one is what? It's always phase one. That's always phase one. Always, like, you know what she said. You're just hoping that by the time phase one is done, that she don't want it no more. So phase one is what? And then, and then phase two is you repeat exactly what she said. And so phase two is, first one is what? She's like, I want some water. And then phase two is, you want some water? And again, you're hoping, just hoping that by that point, she got the clue. I don't want to get the water. And then, but then there's phase three, which is guilt. Like now you got to, and I, and I got so upset. I'm like, the kitchen is not in Uganda. Like it's downstairs. I could get her water. It's not the end of the world. What's wrong with me? Why in my mind do I have the urge to tell her to drink her own saliva? What's wrong with me? Why do I have problems? I have issues. I'm selfish. Listen, God brings people to bother you in your life so that you can see just how selfish you are. The question you have to ask when people bother you is, why does it bother you? Why does it bother you? Why is it so hard for you? Why do you have, it's God exposing the things inside of you that need to get better and need to be healed and need to be fixed. And so you should say thank you to the next person who cuts you off in traffic. The moment they get in front of you, say thank you. Because I realize now I have rage problems. And if it wasn't for you, I'd have gone through life like this. Thank you. It, 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 it can help you. It exposes your selfishness. It expands your perspective. People bother you. It expands your perspective. It forces you to see the world from their point of view. My wife and I were in the shower the other day talking about whether or not we wanted to have a third child. And it is an us decision, by the way. Because we get pregnant, okay? Now, I know all the ladies who have had babies are like, shut your face. <laughs> you have never had to push a human being out of a human being. So that is not correct. No, no, no. We, have, we get pregnant. Yeah. I, have, I suffer from this condition called sympathy pains. Now, that is a real thing because science Now, I looked it up. I looked it up. Maybe I looked it up. There's these things in your brain, true story, called mirror neurons. It's the same things that activate when you see someone yawn and you yawn. When you see it, you want to empathize with it. My gosh, whenever my wife gets pregnant, my back hurts. I put on weight. I can't sleep right. I'm agitated. Like, I got these sympathy pains. Like, it's a real thing. My feet get inflated. I'm fitting in my shoes. Mood swings, I get mood swings, you know, and, and here's the thing, though. Here's why I said expansion perspective. Ever since I, I went through that with my wife, I, 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 I never, I'm on, I'm on the, I was on the Amtrak the other day, not the Amtrak, the, the Disney tram. That's not an Amtrak, but the Disney tram, you know, that takes you to, and there was a pregnant lady who was, who was standing, and now the old me would have never saw her, because remember, I'm selfish. I changed the channel on the Richard, so I got issues. The homie would have never saw her. But listen, ever since I felt what it was like to be her, now I noticed her. 
Now I saw her, and I'm like, get up. I'm going to get up right now. I'm going to get up right now. Now I even just, if there's somebody else, sir, can you please get up? There was a woman here who's got a baby in her. Have you ever had back pain at 3 in the morning? No, I have. Move. Get up, right? And sometimes God brings those people to bother us, A, so that we can, we can expose our selfishness, but B, so that we can see them in the world. So we can see them in the world. When they bother you, you're like, oh, they're there. I see them. They have issues. I can help them. And so you get up, which is my third point for making you better. It gets you to move. When people bother you, you move. Sometimes God wants you to move in life. And so he brings these people. And I'm so grateful that at Journey Church, that's what we do. I'm so grateful that we have a young man who's getting baptized today. His name's Connor. And Connor's awesome. He's a part of our creative team. He does uh, videos here. He'll run around with a bunch of stuff. And I love that his heart, and he's great. And uh, this past weekend, he was in the hospital. Uh, he has Crohn's disease, and he talks about it in his testimony. And I'm so proud of my church that we had two different groups of people, without being asked, went to the hospital to pray with him and spend time with him. Why? Although nobody can know what it feels like to be Connor and to go through those pains, it was a group of people who was willing to share his pain with him. A group of people who said, you know what, you're not alone. I feel you. I'm with you. I'm proud of our church because there was a mom who was going into surgery who was a part of our church, but they didn't have anybody to watch their, their daughter and their son and their father and the husband couldn't stay because he had to go to work. I'm proud of our church when women called that woman and said, hey, can, can, I'm willing to babysit if you need me. I'll stay at home with them. I'll stay home from work and watch your kids so that you can be in surgery. Even though I'm not the one getting cut, I feel your pain. It can make you better, and it can move you. I want to be that kind of church, guys, that we move on behalf of people who are hurting. Because I think love is an evolution, you know. You can love people who, who love you. That's not really hard to do. You can love people who bother you. That's hard. But I think once you get through that, there's a third evolution, and this is the one we need to struggle with the most. You got to love people who aren't like you. Love people who aren't like you. I believe that's why Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon, you know. It was 40 miles from where they were. And when you read the verse, it says, from there they went. From where? From uh, the north side of the Sea of Galilee. 40 miles. As you walk, just so you know, that's a three to four day journey. And by the way, when they get to Tyre and Sidon, they heal her and then they go back. Could you imagine driving somewhere for four days to do one thing for one person and then coming back? Jesus did it. Why? To teach the disciples compassion? No. Why? Because there were sick people in Jerusalem. He, if he wanted to teach the disciples compassion, he had sick people all around him. There were sick people all over Israel. He had plenty, plenty to do with that. I know why he went to Tyre and Sidon. And it was to teach them anybody can have compassion on the people who live like with you and look like you and, and act like you. But it takes a real person, someone full of true love to love someone who's not like you. And that was the disciples' issue. Listen, the disciples get up there. Look what they say. They don't, they don't want to heal this, this girl. They weren't telling Jesus to heal this, this lady. Look what they say in verse, verse 23. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She's bothering us. Get rid of her. They weren't trying to heal this woman. They were trying to get her out of the way. If they wanted to heal her, they could because before that, they were already doing miracles. Before that chapter, they're already healing people. So here's the question. If they can heal people, why are they not healing this woman? Here's the answer. It's because they didn't lack capability. They lacked compassion. They found a woman who didn't believe in the God that they believed. 
They found a woman who didn't have the same worldview that they had. They found a woman who wasn't even a Samaritan, because sometimes you hear about the Samaritan woman and how bad the disciples treated her. But a Samaritan is half Jewish. The woman, the Canaanite woman, had no bloodline whatsoever, which means she didn't even look like them. And they didn't want to help her because this woman didn't look like them or act like them or talk like them or walk like them. Can I tell you, true love, true compassion is being able to serve, sacrifice, and give for those who are not like you. And I want to challenge you today. And this is probably as political as this message will get, but I want to challenge you today. So you have a view on same-sex marriage. I respect that. Before you hate someone because of who they're married to, take them out to dinner. Make a friend. Love them. So you have a view on people who have a view on same-sex marriage. Okay, but before you call those people haters and bigots because they don't understand and they're ignorant, maybe you need to hang out with them and see how they see the world. Maybe you think abortion is a crime. I respect your opinion. I respect it. But, but maybe you should hang out with that teenager before you call her a murderer. Maybe you think abortion should be legal. I respect, I respect your opinion. But maybe you should hang out with a mom who had the opportunity to abort her baby but didn't and hear her story. Maybe you, 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 you uh, are, are, are pro, you know, deporting all the 30 million uh, undocumented uh, immigrants that are in this nation. If that's your view, hey, that's your opinion, and I respect it. But maybe you should meet with a with a four, with a 16-year-old named Benji, like I did, a 16-year-old named Benji who's lived at friends' houses since he was 12. Because when he was 12, his parents got deported and sent back to Mexico, and now he's living in cars and living rooms. And just meet him. Just meet him. And maybe you're here and you think, you know what? We 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 uh. Those people who think that everybody should get deported, those guys are, are racist and nationalists. That's one way to look at it. But maybe you should meet with the guy who lost his job and now can't feed his family because the, the business found somebody who was able to work because they don't have to report their taxes for $2 an hour, and now he doesn't have a job. My point isn't that at this church we're going to take a whatever or whatever, and it's not about politics. It's about are you willing to take someone else's point of view? Are you willing to see it from somebody else's position? I'm so grateful that Jesus saved the world. But you know how Jesus did it? He was God, and he put on human flesh. He put on someone else's skin that didn't belong to him. And I wonder if you'd be willing to put on someone else's skin. Put on someone else's skin. To see the world like they see it. Here's what Jesus said. Or here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. People who aren't like you and people who you don't like, are you willing to put on their skin and see the world the way they see it before you formulate your opinion, before you get mad, before you tweet something and, 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 and hate on people? We need to be willing to love those who don't believe in the God we believe in, who don't have the worldview we have, until you can call an enemy a friend, until you can call an enemy a friend, I don't know that you, you really got this compassion. They're bothering you, but are they your friend? Are you willing to make friends out of them? Because that's what God wants. It's easy to disagree with people, guys. That's the easy thing. The hard part is being able to look past the disagreement and love somebody. Which is the last thing I want you to leave here with. As you're fighting with that person and as you're 
getting bothered and as you're arguing, remember this. More important than being right is being together. More important than being right is being together. This is Jesus' last prayer before he gets on the cross. Anybody ever wonder what a last, I mean, last prayer, that's pretty, that's pretty big deal. Here it is, John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. My prayer, this is Jesus, is for all of those who are going to believe in me through the disciples' preaching. That all of them may be, what's that word? That all of them may be, come on, let's say it in one voice. That all of them may be, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. This was a rapper, he's rhyming. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We always want to argue with people. We always want to fight with people. But sometimes the end goal is not to find a winner and a loser, but to put winning and losing aside and appreciate the person for who they are. Can I tell you a secret? 90% of the fights my wife and I have do not end in a verdict. Like 90% of the fights that we have don't have a winner and a loser. Like most people end an argument with you won or my bad or I lost. 90% of our fights don't, and that's the secret. That's why we make it through all those fights. Because at the end, all we try to do is understand the other person's perspective instead of trying to put our position on top of them. Because it's not about arguing. It's not about fighting. It's about coming together. And especially the, the, my people in the church who I love so much, and, and even those outside, people say, well, you know what? Well, soldiers died so that I can have an opinion. Amen. But Jesus died so that you can be one. I'm all about your opinion. I'm glad that you have it. But you got to ask yourself, is, have I paused? Have I thought about this? And is this, is this opinion going to hurt or heal? If it's going to hurt and divide, then keep your opinion to yourself. If it's going to heal, share it. But you got to be more concerned about the unity that Jesus Christ died on the cross for than making your point. You don't win. You don't win in an argument. You don't win when you fight somebody. You got to pick those battles. You got to pause. You got to listen. And we got to become one. One. We value our family over the fight. You got to value the family in this church over the fight. When I used to fight my sister as a child, not physically fight, but we used to get into a lot of arguments. My parents always used to say, blood is thick in the water. I we've heard that before. Blood is thick in the water. Well, listen, before you get into a fight with another believer, and I'm talking to Christians here now, before you get into a fight with another Christian, know that blood is thick in the water. The blood of Christ that binds you together has got to be thicker than any kind of disagreement or argument or anything you got going on. And what does that mean for Christians? What well, does that mean I'll be nice to Christians and nice to people who aren't Christians? No. Look at this last passage, then I'll end. We'll stand up and we'll pray after this. Matthew 15, 25. The woman and Jesus. Because some people say, well, yeah, I'll be good to Christians because Christians are just like me. And, but and that's what the Bible says. Well, those people out there, those sinners, those hypocrites, those whatever, I'm not going to love on them. Look what the Bible says. Matthew 15, 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. And her, and, and her daughter was healed at that moment. People say, man, why would Jesus call that woman a dog? For the, just for the record, Jesus loved this woman. Jesus knew that this woman would keep pressing on. And so Jesus wasn't upset at her. He wasn't trying to diss her. He was trying to make a point. And you got to read other passages of scripture. But essentially, the Bible says that Jesus came first to save the Jews and then the Gentiles. And so what he's saying is, uh, when he uses that term dog, what he's saying is, it's just, if I came for you, I just didn't come for you right there. The woman is arguing back with Jesus. She's saying, I may not be a Jew. I may not be a Christian, okay? I may not believe in God, but, 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 but I do have one thing in common with the people who do believe in God. What's that? What's that? Any pet owners here? Raise your hand if you have a pet. You have a 
Okay, dogs, your dog. Okay. I used to never get um, dog owners that would look at dogs and be like, this is my baby. And they have actual babies. Like, that's not on the same level. I used to always think that until I got a dog. And I was like, babe, don't be one of those dog moms, okay? Don't, don't be like, don't, we're not buying a stroller, okay? Don't be one of them dog moms. And so we started off good, but then after the first week, the first day they come in, they introduce him. Lou, his name is Blue. Like, Blue, I want you to meet your brothers. <laughs> and they're like, brothers, this is Blue, right? I'm mom, and this is dad. I'm like, I'm not going to go by dad. I'm not going to go by dad. A year and a half later, I'm dad. Anyway, the woman was saying this. Now, listen, he didn't get to the family first. Justice and Zane got there. The dog came in afterwards. And so this is what the woman was saying. She's like, dog, I'll take dog, she said. But we might, I might not have gotten to the family first, but we have the same dad. And what I want you to understand is, in this church or outside of this church, that's family. Because we have the same dad. The God that made me is the God that made you. It's the God that made her. It is the God that made him. It is the God that made the Republican. It is the God that made the Democrat. It is the God that made the Trump supporter. It is the God that made the Hillary supporter. It is the God that made the homosexual. It is the God that made the straight person. It is the God that made the lesbian. It is the God that made the person who committed the abortion. God created us all. And on that note, we must add value to everyone's life. We must add value in everyone's life. And when you see the world as family, right? You ever get into a fight with family? It doesn't matter what happens. At the end of the day, we're family. We can fight, we can punch, we can scream, but it's family and nothing changes that. I pray that you would have that outlook on, on, on your workplace and on your home and on the people you can't get along with and on the people who hate you because of the way you voted or the people who wish you had voted this way or the people who blast you on social media or your bosses or your coworkers or your employees. We're family, that's it. We might not see the world the same way, but the God who made me is the God who made you. The Jesus who died for me is the Jesus who died for you. The blood that saves me is the blood that saves you. The grace that saves me is the grace that saves you. The heaven I'm going to is the heaven that's there for you. It's God that brings us all together.